This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Psychiatrist Elizabeth Kugler-Ross, known for her five stages of grief model, said, You will never get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you've suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same again, nor should you want to. Well, today we're going to talk about living in the new normal after the loss of a loved one and experiencing the joy that you really can find there. Back with us to share lessons learned from her personal experience of loss is Diane Sustick. Diane serves on the Board of Trustees for Grace School of Theology. She has invested her time and talents as a highly valued volunteer at the school for more than 10 years and has served as a trustee for the Grace Foundation. Diane is passionate about God's Word and is a sought-after speaker for women's events and Bible studies. She is the author of a new book, Finding Joy in the Journey, which is the subject matter for today's podcast. Diane was married to John Sustek for 46 years before he passed to glory in July of 2013. She's the mother of two and has seven grandchildren. Diane, it's so good to have you back. Oh, it's good to be back, Carmen. Well, you know, in our last episode, we did talk about your husband's eight-year battle with cancer, a trial that you both experienced. And I'd like for you to talk to our listeners about the importance of understanding that trials of this magnitude, uh, particularly cancer, is a family affair. Oh, it definitely, it affects everybody in the family. And I think that's one of the things I loved about being at MD Anderson. They were, they made it a family affair. You were welcome to go with your loved one to anything they went to. The only time I couldn't be with John was when he had radiation. And of course, it's because that's pretty dangerous, but there's a room you can sit in if you really want to, mm-hmm. and um, you're in there where the radiologist is, and he's he's aiming everything. So they really do they really do want you to be involved, and um, yes. and it affects everyone in the family. I mean, you begin to understand immediately when that diagnosis comes that the ending is going to be life changing mm-hmm. for you. And for your loved one. Yes. And what advice would you give to those who maybe have a neighbor, maybe have a a family member whose spouse is going through cancer? How would you advise them to reach out to minister to that that caretaker? Well, and caretakers do need ministering to in very um, practical ways, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, For me... There were times when I was too exhausted to do anything but just sit down and have a glass of water. Um, But there were times when I needed really a person, Jesus with skin on, to come and just pray with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Dinners, people would just pop in with food all the time. And that, while that was wonderful, especially because we wanted them to stay with us and eat with us if we could and if they could, but um, those kind of practical things were great. 
But sometimes it was, I felt like, oh my goodness, I hate all this attention, you know. Mm -hmm. But I knew that people need to do things. So Mm -hmm. I guess my advice to a caretaker is don't turn down anything because it helps people be able to do something. They always want to do something. And um, it's hard. It's sometimes hard to be on the stretcher instead of Mm -hmm. the stretcher bearer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, my advice is just to ask, what do you need the most today? Do you need prayer? Do you need transportation? Or do you just need someone to talk to? Mm, That's very good advice. And, And I love that, too, about allowing others to serve you if you're the caretaker, because it is a blessing to them. It is a blessing to them, Mm -hmm. very much so. No doubt about it. Well, last week, our topic was finding joy in our trials. And I thought about how blessed you and John were to have each other, to help one another to find the joy uh, in in those dark days. You said in your book, had we not known Christ, the battle of cancer would have done us in. Speak to that because, you know, there may be those listening who have not believed in Christ, and they may not even know what you're talking about, Diane. Well, my prayer for them is that they would choose to know Christ. Um, He's there. He's there all the time wooing you. And could it be that maybe he's allowed this in your life so that you would run to him? Because I can tell you right now that no matter who you run to, if Jesus isn't the first one or in there somewhere, you're going to you're gonna have a breakdown some way or another. I remember when my mother was diagnosed with cancer. I was a, in my 30s, a young mom, two young children. And honestly, because I wasn't walking with the Lord at the mm-hmm. time, I fell apart. I mean, I literally had John not been there to hold me up. I just I fell apart. I couldn't function well. And after she did die, I remember going, he'd send me to go get some drapery rods or something because we had just moved to a new house. And I couldn't, I I wouldn't remember the length or I wouldn't remember the shade size. And I'd take them back two or three times. So it, I just, I just saw myself before and after. Yes. And it was very difficult. So I know this, especially I always thought I'd die before John. I never wanted to deal with life without him. And when that didn't happen, mm. I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, that I know you, that mm. you have promised to be my husband. <laughs> yes, yes. And always faithful. And always always faithful. there. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, you referenced one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 26, 3, uh, as one that you clung to. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because mm-hmm. he trusts in you. How does that scripture speak to you, Diane? Oh, golly. When there were times, so many times, because that we'd been married so long and we were engaged the year before that, I really was so down. The morning was so great. But when I would choose to do as that scripture said, I did have perfect peace. I could lay down at night and say, Lord, I just want to recount everything in your word that I can think of. And the perfect peace just came over me. I wasn't afraid to be by myself. And I, my husband traveled a lot in his career. And I would a lot of times reference that verse 
because I had these two children and it was at a time when I had come back to the Lord and I was at peace. I didn't worry about someone breaking in or what if this or what if that. I think we, our mind just needs to be fixed on him. Yes. And it, it doesn't matter. Don't focus on what you've got in front of you. Mm-hmm. Focus on what he is, who he is. Yes. I know I had a friend who used to tell me, in the battle, when you're so down, rather than focusing on the battle, focus on what the Lord can do. Because when you can't trust his ways, you can always trust his heart. Oh, yes. And I yes. love that. I That's love beautiful. that, to yes. trust his heart. So, so true. And Mm -hmm. I I find it interesting that you shared the reference of John's traveling, Mm -hmm. because as I said, that verse was one of my favorites. And it became a favorite because my husband also has always traveled in his work. Mm -hmm. And at night, but when I would lie down, I'd be praying uh, before I'd go to bed. And I always would recite that verse because it was like, Lord, I want to focus on you, not on what might happen, not on Mm -hmm. what could be but who you are and, and your faithfulness. So yes. I appreciate so much. You uh, don't focus on things that go bump in the night. That's that right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, John went home to be with the Lord in July of 2013. And, and I know it's still a difficult thing for you to talk about. But I was struck by the fact that the joy that had descended on John, we talked about last week, towards the end of his battle, you said was still evident in those last weeks Uh, And I thought, what a gift for you and your children and your grandchildren Mm -hmm. to see that joy as you as you really were preparing to say your goodbyes. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you and John, because I just knowing uh, from your story that you you were one in marriage. One, how did you choose to communicate, particularly with those grandkids, about him going on to be with Jesus? Well, he, after he went on hospice, he had always been honest with them and told them that he had cancer and that he was fighting it and that he trusted the Lord to fight that battle too, but that more than likely as it spread, it would end up not winning, but but it would end up taking his life. And um, so he would talk to them individually when they mm-hmm. would come. Now, the youngest one at that time was four. Mm-hmm. And she just, all she wanted to do was be with Abba, sit with Abba, go fishing with Abba. Sit. And that was their name for him, Abba. Was Abba. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was hard for her to understand that he would be leaving and never coming back. Mm-hmm. Where are you going? Things like that. And he just would tell her real honestly, I'm going to go live with Jesus. And someday when you're old, 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 you'll see me again. And she was okay with that. He never told them more than they really wanted to know. And uh, I think the, the oldest ones had the hardest time because they understood it more. The younger ones, well, I have a part in my book about little John John and Hope running into the bedroom the morning after John had died. And his hospital bed was empty. And they came running into my bathroom, Nanny, Nanny, where is Abba? And I said, oh, I just sat down on the bench in there and held their hands. And I said, you know, Jesus came and got him last night and he got to go to heaven. And their little eyes were just huge and they just ran off. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) You know, they ran into the kitchen and Scott and Aaron were in there fixing breakfast and they started talking about it, and my Devin, the older of those three little ones, said, well, I knew that. 
I was in there when he left, and little John just, his eyes got real big, and he said, I didn't know we could stay up and watch. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought, oh, the The heart of a child. I just love that. So he must have had an image of Jesus coming and just taking it and he wanted to watch too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. That is great. They were very well prepared for that. And I just, that's that's wonderful that they were. And they can have those fond memories Mm -hmm. of of Abba going home to see Jesus. I love it. Well, his uh, John's trial, his battle with cancer is over, and he's rejoicing completely whole. And yes. and uh, I know he wouldn't have it any other way, uh, nor would you. But but the loss of a loved one, particularly that of a spouse, is really the beginning of a new kind of trial for the mm-hmm. one left behind, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the reality of the fear, uh, fear of the unknown, the void uh, that's left because mm-hmm. of the loved one's absence. But you have chosen, once again, to find joy in this new normal. What does that look like? Well, for me, um, I remember sitting on the patio upstairs at our other house and saying, Lord, I, I'm feeling not pressure, but I'm feeling like it's time for me to make a change. This was our dream home. This is where all of our grandchildren always came but I think it's time for me to move on because this is a big house. It used to be a home. I don't feel that anymore. And uh, I felt like the Lord was saying, you're listening, you're mm-hmm. listening. And um, I began to think about packing up and downsizing. And I never thought I would do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, John and I had made plans to stay there forever until we died, you know, but I began to feel like, well, then I began to think, is this what he would want for me? Mm. And so I sought wise counsel because I think there's wise counsel in many voices, you know, especially godly voices. And they all were in agreement. You, you're doing the right thing. Mm. And so I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to have to trust you to show me. And I, I was excited about a new chapter. I knew I couldn't stay in my old chapter. I mean, that was, I saw him everywhere. Mm. And not that I didn't want to see him, but I knew I I needed to start over. Yeah, the memories were sometimes hard, sometimes great. Mm. But coming home to that big empty house after going to see my children or going on a trip was just, it was torture for me. It became that way. So uh, I asked, I prayed, I said, Lord, I need you to go before me, show me where to go. And I always thought I'd see myself in the 55 and over section in the woodlands, you know, because I don't have little kids anymore and I didn't need all that noise. And he placed me in a neighborhood right in the middle of young, young adults with young children going through the same things John and I had gone through in our 30s and 40s. God has a sense of humor. I want to tell you, it has been wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. All the little kids, all their parents, they all call me Miss Diane. They run over to show me stuff. I mean, those little kids have become like grandchildren to me. And it is joyful Mm. every day. How good of God to give you that gift. It oh, is a gift. It, it is. It's yes. a wonderful gift. Absolutely. Keeps me young. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, God is so good. You, you've talked about how in an elevator, God yes. assured you that you would not be alone. Could yes. you share that story? Sure. 
I had only met this man a couple of times. Terry Teagle is his name, and he's the uh, chaplain for KSBJ Christian Radio. He lived next door to my sister at the lake. And one day I was extremely depressed. John had had his second 12-hour brain surgery, and he'd had a heart attack on the table, and I just felt like there's just nothing left in me. And I remember going downstairs. My son was there. His daughter was there. My sister-in-law was there. And John was there. But I felt so absolutely stranded. And that's the only word I can think of. I knew I wasn't alone, but I felt just like an island. And so I went downstairs at MD Anderson. This was at the big hospital downtown. And I I sat for alone in the chapel for a while, just crying out to God, how much more can this man take? And why do I feel so alone? I feel abandoned. And I know it doesn't make sense, Lord. Feelings, we can't go on feelings. We have to go on faith. I talk to myself like that out loud all the time, Carmen. (laughs) (laughs) And so after crying for a while, I decided I needed to get back up to him because I knew he'd know I was gone. And as I was getting on that elevator, I I was just thinking, I just don't know if I can do it. I'm so alone in this battle. And I, I was just a feeling. It wasn't anything more. And As I got on, I thought the man looked familiar that was on the elevator, but I didn't say anything. And as the doors closed, he said, do I know you? And I said, I was thinking maybe I knew you too. And he said, well, I'm Terry Teagle. And I went, you're my neighbor's sister. And then we started talking and Mm -hmm. I, I told him what I was feeling. And he said, oh, he said, that may be why God has me on this elevator. And he came on up to John's intensive care room with me and he prayed over John and it was just it was like God saying see you will never be alone I just needed to send someone to show you that and I thought Lord forgive my lack of faith Mm. Mm. I've got to stop running on feelings which I did I ran on feelings a lot I still do I think men can run on faith a lot better than women can. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I think that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. I think we do. Feelings, mm-hmm. uh, emotions, get really, really do get in the way sometimes with women. Absolutely. But I don't. I don't let that happen often anymore mm-hmm. because I know that God is faithful. He proves it every day. Well, that was such a beautiful thing for him to do as well, because you're able to take that story mm-hmm. into right now where you are physically alone, but yet you know you're not alone. I know I'm not. Yes. Uh, and that's, uh, again, what a good God we serve. Amen. Mm-hmm. He's awesome God. Well, you know, Diane, uh, Psalm 56, 3 and 4 says, Whenever I am afraid... I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? I love the fact that it also says whenever, not if. Whenever, Whenever, not if. God made us, and he knows in our flesh that we're going to fear. There are going to be fearful times, and we're going to respond in fear. Mm -hmm. How important is it, Diane, uh, again, as you've talked before, uh, to to really get to know our Lord in order to come overcome this fear issue. Some people say it's a daily thing. I think it's a moment by moment thing, especially when if you if you count how many times he says fear not or the word fear is used, it's 365 times mm. in the Bible, which means we're going to need it every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I think 
trusting his heart, trusting what his word says, Mm -hmm. trusting his actions from before. I think it's very important. There are times when I have to be honest with you, I'm fearful over what's going on in our world today. Of course. And, and yet I can say, come Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. because even the worst will yes. get to see him. Yes. I mean, even if the worst happens, I think I fear more for my grandchildren than I do anything else because they'll have to live in this mess. Yes. But I don't have to fear about that either because God has that under control. That's right. I know he does. There was a song years ago by Nicole Nordeman, When I Call on Jesus. I love that song because it pictures him coming down out of heaven uh, to rescue her when she called. And and I have have sung that song many times, Diane, as I'm sure you have probably thought of those words as well. Actually, those words are from from the Psalms. Yes, they are. Uh, but it's just a beautiful picture of His love for us, and and we're His children. We are. And we call. He's going to come, particularly when His kids are fearful. So. And don't you love it that He uses music too to mm-hmm. minister to us? Oh yes. Many times in the middle of the night, I remember standing outside just yes. singing See. to the top of my lungs. Love it yes. about Him or to Him, and oh. It just, he always sends a song at just the right time. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Well, you shared a story that I think it's important to share. I think it's vital for anyone that's really desiring to move on after a loss. Because when you shared your story, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I know so many who have spoken of doing this. Uh, and that, and it has to do with a picture of your husband. Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Share that story, the lesson that really God taught okay. you in that. My son is an artist, and he painted a portrait of John and gave it to me for Christmas, the year that John had died. Awesome and gift. It, it is an awesome gift, and it looks just exactly like mm-hmm. him. From the shape of his fingernails, everything about him, his teeth, I, I was just, I looked at it, and I just was blown away. And um, it's big. It's about two feet by four feet. It's a big picture. And um, every night I, hu- I hung it in my living room at the other house. And every night, every fact, and didn't matter what time of the day, I'd talk to him as I walked by it. And I remember one night just crying and saying, you know, I miss you so much. I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. And the worst part of it right now is that I miss God, too. I feel like my prayers don't get past the ceiling. And I just want to know, you know, what do you think? <laughs> Talking to a picture. Yeah. And, I, and I, of course, didn't hear a thing. And um, I sat down on the couch and I said, what is going on, Lord? Yeah. I'm, I'm so missing you. Mm-hmm. And I just heard this soft, still voice say, you'll have no other gods before me. I thought, wonder why I thought about that. That isn't, you know, I wouldn't just think of that. So I walked around for a little while and I kept hearing it. You will have no other gods before me. And finally, I just, I went in my office and sat down and I had my computer open on the Word on my Logos program. And I said, Lord, are you telling me that I have an idol in my life? And I thought of that picture. I was talking to a picture. 
of a person who was dead. Mm-hmm. I wasn't praying to John, but I was certainly talking to him. Talking and to him. Yes. in those few days, he's mm-hmm. the one I'd been talking to. Yes. Instead of talking me. to God. You, Instead of yes. talking to God. Wow. Wow. So I, I think that's a common thing, though. I hear others mention that. Uh, but that yeah. was really an eye-opening lesson. Uh, I think it's common to talk to your husband. Yes. I know a lot of yes. people who's, who've lost their loved one, and they talk to him all the time. But this was, for me, it was, I was talking to him rather than God. Rather than God. Mm-hmm. For wow. a few days there. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I think that Thank will be you. helpful to others. You know, in my opening comments, I shared a quote that you had in your book uh, from Elizabeth Kluger-Ross yeah. speaking to the fact that you don't get over a, the loss of a loved one, but that you will rebuild yourself around the loss you suffered. She said that you will never be the same again, nor should you want to. And you wrote that God had sent you that quote when you needed it yes. and that you agreed with what she said. Can you kind of expound on that? Yes, it was, I was still living at the other house and John and I used to walk down to the mailbox and when the sicker and weaker he got, he would still say, let's still walk to the mailbox. I want these people to know that I'm living with cancer. I'd say, okay. So he'd be on his walker and I'd be holding on to him and we'd walk down to the mailbox and I missed him walking to the mailbox with me. And I was walking down there by myself. It was several months after he died, and I just said, Lord, I dismiss him so much. Am I ever going to get over this loss? It doesn't feel like I'm getting any better. I thought as time went on, of course, it had only been a few months. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it had been almost a year because it was almost before I moved, right before mm-hmm. I moved. And I said, I, I'm never going to get over this, and I thought I'd be so much better by now. Mm-hmm. And when I opened the mailbox, there was a card from a friend of my daughters. And she, and when I opened the card, it said, I thought of you when I read this today and I wanted you to have it. And it was a little cut out of exactly what she said. That you quote. will never get over it, mm. but you will learn to live with it and you will yes. learn. And it said, you will never want to be the same again. You know, that mm-hmm. part of it. Yes. Yes. And I thought, wow. So I have that on my refrigerator because I need to remember that, no, you don't get over it, mm-hmm. but you do learn day by day how to live with it and how to be joyful, even because you can focus on, you will see him again, and he is joyful. Yes, yes. And you commented how the Lord's teaching you things. Yes. You're learning to do things you hadn't done before. Uh, I have a wouldn't... power tool. Oh, I have there a you drill. Go. How many women have a power tool, right? <laughs> oh, oh yes. that's, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, in, in our previous episode, you shared that John's experience of joy about it descending on him. Mm-hmm. The Lord in his grace allowed you to have a similar experience. And I would love for you to tell us about that experience. I believe it was like two years after John's passing where you felt the joy of the Lord descending on I you. I did, yes. It was, a, it was a couple of years. And I remember it happened gradually, but I recognized it suddenly. I was waking up in the morning and I wasn't down. I was looking forward to seeing the sun, to hearing the birds. I was... I was getting up with a purpose, and I realized 
not only am I waking up with a purpose, but I'm waking up excited about whatever this purpose may be. Mm-hmm. And it really was in writing this book yes. that the joy began to just fall on me and I began to see I'm healing. So it was a healing experience in in that I was beginning to live again, I guess. Oh, yes, you know, yes. and I didn't need it. I didn't need anyone there with me. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I just loved the fact that I was spending my days and my evenings with him. He really was all I needed. I know Dwight said something in a recent podcast, Dwight Edwards, about fearing having him to be all you need. Mm. And I thought that was such a profound statement because I did kind of fear, would that be enough? Ah. And I can tell you, it is. Jesus is enough. He is. And he's that joy. He is the joy. And he was the joy all along. He is the joy. And I never (laughs) knew it. Until Uh, I looked back. uh, And he was our joy, and he still is. Oh, well, Diane, I just pray that joy is going to continue. I I so appreciate your vulnerability, uh, your willingness to share your story with me, with our listeners, because I know many will be touched and encouraged to find that joy for themselves, and they will find it when they seek it from him. I hope so. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Well, I do hope that you have enjoyed and and been encouraged and blessed by this powerful story of God's amazing grace and his calling to pursue him on a deeper level so that our joy may be fulfilled in him, regardless of our trials, regardless of our circumstances. We hope you have been encouraged. And let me encourage you to read Diane's book, Finding Joy in the Journey. You know, part of her joy was the idea of giving all the proceeds of this book back to Grace School of Theology. I know her husband, John, will be so pleased. And and what a blessing for the school and what a blessing for, for Diane. You can find it by following the link in our podcast notes. We'd love to get your feedback on today's program. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. Email questions or comments to saving_grace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter at SavingGraceCast. Perhaps God is calling you to continue your education through Grace School of Theology or to prayerfully and financially support others who do. Be sure to visit our website for details. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.